Federico, for the last best part of two weeks, I've basically only been thinking about one thing, which okay, has been, yeah. <laughs> which has been, it's actually been a week. Oh my God, it feels like longer. Uh, Microsoft's uh, acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Wait, that was a week ago? I thought it, was it was one week ago as we were recording <laughs> wow. this today. It was on January 18th. Wow, okay. I've just been, I can't get this out of my head. Like, so I've recently just, side note, recently really been uh, diving deep as a consumer of kind of funny podcasts. Do you know kind okay. of funny Greg Miller's stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So I've just been like big time, like watching all their videos and like really just going deep. Like I've just, you know, like you get into a content rabbit hole. Oh yeah, big time. Yes. Yeah, I I started that because I've been I've been following them for years and like usually like whenever there's like a Nintendo Direct or like a State of Play or whatever, I watch their live stream. Their stream, yes. I instead know you do of that. the original stream because it's way more interesting, especially <laughs> right. when it's like I've never heard of this video game and I don't understand what's happening, and then they just will you know give more context to me, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. And then I just started watching a little bit more, a little bit more. And then in kind of like the last month or so, I've just been, I, you know, I'm on the, I'm like, I'm gifted a Patreon now, like the whole nine yards, right? <laughs> Next step is going to be a co-host of, of the kind of funny Don't podcast. Even. I mean, I would love it. <laughs> I, I love them all so much. They're a great group of people. Like it's really, I love their content. It's so good. I'm big fan now. I'm like they call their, uh, their audience, the best friends. I'm like a big best friend now. Like I'm, I'm oh, into it nice. all. Nice. Nice. Anyway, so when this news broke, I was like, brilliant, right? And like, and they put out, they do a daily news show. Um, it's like kind of funny daily. It's, it's their daily, like their daily news show. And they did a fantastic episode that day. You could tell like they were in it. But on that day, like uh, I think it was Greg and Tim. They're like the two of the co-founders are kind of funny. And they were having this conversation about the, about the news of, uh, which we'll get into a little bit more, but who doesn't know about it at this point? And, The question was asked, is this the biggest story in video game history? Mm, mm, Okay. And I was thinking about it, and it's like, yeah, I think think it is. Hmm. Well, hmm. Uh, I think the answer is yes. Uh, I think there have been times... In our in in video game history, where that obviously that answer has been different a bunch of times. Like mm-hmm. if you ask that question, when Nintendo unveiled the Nintendo DS, like is this the biggest thing that that's ever happened in video game history? Probably was it the Wii uh, at the time? Yeah, motion control was the thing. Um, is Sony getting into portable consoles the biggest news? Yes, but this one, just the sheer amount of money involved and and the importance of the publisher that Microsoft is buying and the games that are going to be Microsoft games i think it trumps all of those previous answers to that mm-hmm. question yes i agree it's just like so the ramifications of it are so massive and i want to talk about some of those with you i think the first thing that's worth just addressing like that you know, we haven't really spent much time talking about this on this show, but except for references here and there, I suppose. But the hope would be that this acquisition could mark the beginning of the end of the toxic work culture at Activision mm-hmm. Blizzard. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, they, there's been, you know, this isn't even one of those things where, oh, it's just there's been reports from workers. Like Activision have been sued yes. by the state of California, right? Like <laughs> yes, this is like a whole next level. And, you know, like if, if you're not familiar, like the CEO of Activision Blizzard, Bobby Kotick, mm-hmm. he is, you know, been a, an individual usually you know people say like they'll call for the head of a company because like you know a culture starts and goes now but no he's just been like actually involved in covering up stuff inside of the company right from uh sexism and sexist work culture stuff and so i th- i feel like i mean there isn't confirmation of it i feel like it's pretty clear that once this um acquisition is done by june 23 kotick's gone yeah it Big just seems like they haven't yes. said it and they're not not saying it. And the way they've announced everything that like, oh, once this is complete, Activision Blizzard reports into Phil Spencer, who is now the CEO of Microsoft Gaming. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there is no CEO of Activision Blizzard at that point. They all go into Phil. Where's Cortex supposed to be? Right. And then, the, you know, like there's been, I think, uh, Jason Schreier at Bloomberg got some reports of like people on the inside say, yeah, no, Cortex. Kotick's out of there. Like they're gonna, and I understand the idea potentially of not wanting to like do a big change now, and they probably can't. I mean, Microsoft can't force it because like there is this whole period that even though they've announced it now, to go through all the regulatory process, they they have to uh, act as independent companies during this period of time. Like Microsoft can't be involved. So, like, for example, Activision Blizzard could now sign a 25-year deal with PlayStation, right? Mm. They could do it because Mm. Microsoft can't be involved in Activision Blizzard. Now, that's, like, from a legal perspective. What happens behind the scenes? I don't know, right? It's like a whole whole other kettle of fish. But anyway, that would be, like, I guess the reasoning why nothing's going to change. They're going to leave as is. There is also, like, it's just this interesting whole subplot to this we're watching succession right now have you ever seen succession federico i am up to episode four of the latest uh, season okay we just started season two okay and some of this stuff reminds me a little bit of that kind of stuff in succession of like just people <laughs> just like what the thing here is when like t- a week or two before phil spencer's like ooh. We have to reevaluate <laughs> our strategy when it comes to Activision Blizzard. So, in this scenario, Phil Spencer would be Kendall, I assume. Mm, yeah, I think he would Maybe. be. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and Kodik is is Logan. Is Roy. Logan? Yeah. Okay. That's okay. how I'm. That's how I'm thinking of this right now, because it's like they were making moves to buy the company, and whether intended or not, Phil Spencer was part of a selection of companies saying they were rethinking their working partnership with Activision, which drove Activision's stock down. Yes. Which also raises a question. It's estimated that they may have gotten like a 10 to $30 billion discount from Activision Blizzard. But it's kind of unknown. Like, you know, you, you don't actually know. Obviously, it's impossible to tell, but right, like... It, that is kind of the region in which it is expected that their stock, that their like company valuation was down because of this stuff. Because there's, but anyway, it's wild. They're, but they're paying sixty-eight point seven billion dollars, so everyone's fine. You know, no one's losing out on this deal. Right. It's incredible. Like this is unbelievable. I want to ask is this you. A, actually, is this the biggest acquisition 
not just in tech history, in 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 history period. It's got to be up there. I mean, I'm it's, sure that there's some oil company bought another oil company or yeah, some probably. nonsense. But like, I don't think that there can be many industries where you could do this from a antitrust perspective. Now, this this should be absolutely fine from an antitrust perspective because there's so much competition in video gaming and the industry right. is so large that yeah. like because this doesn't even this doesn't put Microsoft number one. I think it puts them at number three. Even mm-hmm. after this, it's either two or three. Like it, they still won't be more profitable or so sort of drawing more revenue than Sony. Even with this, even with if you count all of Activision's uh, revenues in, they still don't beat out Sony's revenue. So it's you know, and Nintendo's like whatever. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you though, you Federico Vitigi as a gamer. Yeah. What do you think I, I, of this? Um. Mm. On one, it's it's difficult for me because as a gamer, I think it's exciting and it like it makes me wonder about oh what what's gonna happen here. But as a tech writer and observer, it also kind of concerns me, and I want to start there. Okay. Uh, from from a from a tech perspective, I th- well not it's not concerning. I think it makes me even more aware of just how long I've been doing what I've been doing at this point and progressively we're seeing all these bigger companies just swallow up other companies and we've now reached the point where the tech giants can afford to buy a company like Activision Blizzard like it used to be that like a one billion one billion dollar acquisition like Facebook purchasing Instagram was a big deal we have now normalized a almost 70 billion dollar acquisition I don't <laughs> like, think it's normalized which is why we're reacting to it the way that we are like this is not going to happen again anytime soon uh, right but it might it I could. mean at this yes, point it could. yeah at this point, there's precedent for it. That that's, I guess, what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. we are we have created the precedent. Microsoft has created a precedent for this kind of massive acquisition. Yes. So from from the tech industry perspective, it's it, it makes me realize realize wow things have changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, from a gaming perspective, from as a gamer, I mean. I, the writing has to be on the wall, right? In terms of exclusive games going forward and what it means for Xbox. Like right now, all parties involved are saying, uh, "We and look at the phrasing, like we are going to honor our existing multi-platform deal with Sony mm-hmm. um, for all the, ex- something like all the existing games that w- we, uh, we are releasing uh, on multiple platforms. Like the, you know, and I want to highlight the existing deal. Like, sure, the all the games that you have coming down, you know, to multiple consoles over the next couple of years, I believe you, that they are going to be multi-platform. However, the thing is, I don't think you buy and you spend almost $70 billion for nothing to change if you're Microsoft. If you're Microsoft and if you're purchasing Activision Blizzard, you're not shelling out $70 billion just to say, oh, no, nothing's going to change. You're still going to make games for PlayStation. Like, why would you? Right? Yeah. So This is a... I like... Okay, the games that are currently available, the games that they have announced, they're going to come yeah. multi-platform. Same yes. as same as um, Todd Howard's company, uh, the game make Skyrim. 
Oh my God, uh, what's Bethesda. happening to my... Bethesda, Bethesda, right? So they bought yes. Bethesda, and then they still released Bethesda third-party, like Bethesda games on PlayStation, honoring those agreements. But their yeah. new game, is it Starfield? Yeah. That would have been cross-platform, but it's not yeah. going to be. It's, micro- exactly. it's on Xbox only. So like, honestly, Federico, in like four years' time, Call of Duty, in my opinion, will be a Xbox exclusive. I was about to say the same thing. Like, imagine in five years, we're doing episode 300 of Remaster, and we're going to mention Call of Duty. Call of Duty is going to be an Xbox game. Like, yeah. we're going to say, oh, remember when Call of Duty used to be like a like a multi-platform game? Now it's an Xbox game. Like, or I could, I could imagine them having, say, two, because they have like three different types of Call of Duty games, right? I could imagine that maybe they bring it down to two, and one of them's cross-platform, the other is uh, Xbox and PC. You know, mm. but I expect that they will be bringing like it's what you said, right? You wouldn't spend this amount of money and then be like, "Yeah, that's cool, man. Go for it, PlayStation." <laughs> <laughs> like we love you over there. I mean, if if anything, you're doing Sony a favor by acquiring a company, getting rid of the previous management that did all kinds of bad stuff. So you're cleaning house, you are restructuring the company, you're giving them even more resources and even more, you know, uh, money to work better with new management to make games for PlayStation. Like Sony, like if you do that, Sony could be like, well, I guess if it, thanks. Mm. So... Yeah, I don't think... Sure, right now they are saying our existing games will continue to work with our existing partners. Sure, I believe you. And I think that's going to be the case this year, next year, maybe even in three years. But like longer term, five years from now, I think things are going to be different. Post-acquisition, you know, Mm -hmm. when the acquisition's done and dusted, I don't imagine realistically any PlayStation games being announced by... Yeah. At an Xbox event. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, like I've seen people say this, and I want to know what you think about this. Game Pass on PS5. Uh, will they let them do that, though? Like, well, who let who? <laughs> <laughs> now, like, this would fit Microsoft's strategy in theory, right? Sure. In yes. theory, if they wanted to do it. Now, if you're Sony, why not? Because you're because you are because you because of Ubers and because you're building your own service, right? Um, there's rumors of this service called named Spartacus, Spartacus that Sony is supposedly launching slash unveiling. I this don't year. believe they're making Game Pass. Me neither. I believe they're doing something that maybe it's better than whatever they call PS it right now. now. PS Now, which is not not good, and and PSN, right? Like you know, you get like the free games with PSN. Yeah. That's PS, so they have PlayStation Plus. That's it. Thank you. And PS, PS Now, which will be the game streaming service that is like the worst one of all the game streaming mm-hmm. services out there. And I can imagine them making some kind of combo, but I don't imagine them giving you every uh, first or second party game in a service bundle like Microsoft's doing. I don't think Sony would do that. Because at the moment, they're still making a lot of money from these game sales. They are. That, that is true. Yeah. Jay couldn't be here today, but I think he mentioned this. I don't remember he mentioned this on the show or just to us. Where he kind of said that like Microsoft is Netflix and PlayStation is the cinema. 
Uh, you said it on the show. Yeah. And I and I think that still applies here and could still apply in this scenario where it's like, we PlayStation, we're going to let you, you know, we're going to let Microsoft bring their service here, but you still want to make sure you have our hardware because it's the only place you're going to get X, Y, Z game. But I think what, but if I was going to make a bet, I would bet what you have, which is Hubris will tell them no. Mm-hmm. What I would, if I was working at Sony, the question I would ask is, do we want to be making this decision after they overtake us? Because then we look weak. Mm. Like if, if Microsoft are coming to the table to Sony, they might not even want to do it, right? But if they're coming to the table at Sony, do you want to do it when you're in the lead or do you want to do it when you're in second place? Because I am convinced now Xbox will overtake PlayStation within the next five years again. I think that's entirely possible, if anything, because, again, the number of studios that they have now making Xbox games and the infrastructure that they have built, like, right under our eyes. Like, we have seen this go from zero, from nothing, to what it is today. And you can have your Xbox experience, not just some, like, oh... I'm playing a game on my PlayStation, but then when I log into PS Now, it's a different thing. No, you the your Xbox experience with your profile and your saves, it follows you everywhere. Mm-hmm. I can start playing Halo at home with my Series X, and I can go to Sylvia's place in Viterbo and keep playing the same game via xCloud on an Intel NUC. <laughs> and I've done that, and I can do that. Mm-hmm. And I can go to my beach house and play with my Series S. And the same game, same profile, same me, still there. Like, what they have built is incredible. And people are starting to see that. Because, like, um, 25 million Game Pass subscribers, like, the combination of Game Pass and streaming via the cloud, it's going to be a long time before I think Sony can match that no, kind of ecosystem. No, I don't think they can, and I don't think they can. But even if they wanted to, it's, it'd be years away. Because but the reason this is can. working is Xbox is Microsoft. And, and Microsoft yes. own <laughs> Azure. Yeah. And all of that stuff together is... I mean, also, Microsoft have untold amounts of money, right? Which is how this can happen. Sony wouldn't have been able to afford this. It's just not possible for them. They could never little- have bought Activision. Similarly, that if Xbox was a standalone company, they wouldn't have been able to do it either. Mm-hmm. It's true. It yes. needed the parent company's incredibly deep pockets. Which also happens to be the maker of Windows. Yeah, right? I they think also I this. heard this was half of their cash in the bank. Something like that. Half. Yeah. Well, th- see, that that's wild. But if that's true, though, they put a lot of their cash <laughs> in this. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's obviously like it, I haven't just this cash in the bank is like it's extra money. They're already, you know, they're already using so much of their revenue to fund everything else in the business. It's just cash that they have. Yeah, it was, is that's actually correct because as of November, uh, Microsoft's cash reserve were 137 billion. Yeah. So it's yeah, basically half. And is it doesn't oh, wow. that tell you what they think? of xbox right now yeah exactly like, this is and, no and, joke and like, for them and to go back to to that question like what do you think as a gamer you, a company 
the, the third biggest company in the world that spent half of its cash on a single acquisition. Again, five years from now, where are these games going to run? <laughs> Do you still think they're going to make PlayStation games? Like, no. They're all in on Xbox, but not just on Xbox as the physical console that you buy and you put it on in a living room. No, the Xbox ecosystem, that's the thing. Sure, they're going to keep making consoles. I do believe that eventually they're just going to make an HDMI stick like a Google Chromecast that you oh, plug into your TV. Do it. They've already exactly. said they're going to do I mean, it. They just haven't shown anything more since that was initially a thing floated I mean, by Phil Spencer. Totally. It makes total sense. So... But, but what they have, right, with Game Pass, they want you to sign up to give them a monthly fee and you can get access to anything you want and you can play anything, anytime, anywhere. And no one else has that. So, yeah, they are... Abs- they're not even, like, serious doesn't even describe it as what they are doing here. This is massive news because, first of all, we haven't seen an acquisition like this anywhere before in tech history, not even in gaming history, but in tech history in, in, and in history in general, like $70 billion, it's an incredible amount of money. But what it tells about the strategy of this company when it comes to how they are going, they are right now already, and they are going to continue reshaping the the expectations from gamers. It, it's a monumental change that makes me... It makes me concerned about Sony because you can only keep making first-party games of that caliber for so long until something needs to change. Well, Nintendo do fine. And I was about to say, unless you accept that you're going to become Nintendo. Yeah, but accepting to become Nintendo is not bad. No, not at all. (laughs) That's not bad. But can there be multiple Nintendo in the sense that can there be multiple companies saying, oh, we want to make this console that millions of people buy and we want to have AAA games. We want to play the game of the industry, but also we don't have quite the same resources and reach of a company like Microsoft. Like, can can, they, can, can there be two Nintendos? Mm. Meaning, can there be both Nintendo and Sony? Again, five years know. from now, 10 years from now, is there room for both? I don't know. I don't know, especially at the prices of Sony, right? Exactly. Like things exactly. are cheaper in Nintendo Land. Exactly. So I, I don't, I don't have an answer for that question. I think it's a very good question. I think that you can say, well, Nintendo can make it work. Sony can definitely make it work because Sony's first-party games are the best video games, right? Critically, yeah. for sure, right? Like. You know, you've got Horizons coming out soon and God of War's coming out soon. Two of the mm-hmm. best games made in years, right? So, like, like the, the new versions of the, of the previous titles. And in theory, if you look at what Nintendo's managed to do, well, that means you're going to be okay. It You won't be number one, but you'll mm-hmm. still be able to, to sustain a very good uh, business. In I, yeah. theory. In theory, <laughs> yes. In actuality... Is it that like people only have money for one console and they choose the one that's got the best exclusives plus cross part cross uh, party games um, like cross platform games and are there going to be less cross platform games? So like on the morning that this news came out, uh, the MPD numbers came out for the year and Call of Duty was the best selling game of the year again. Now. If that becomes a Microsoft exclusive, 
then what happens? I don't know. But look, I just feel like, you know, for me, my opinion as a gamer, I actually think this is good news. If we're looking four years away from now, say, Mm -hmm. which is probably the earliest that we're going to see anything huge happen, maybe three or four years from now, you would pay $25, $35 a month or whatever, and you will have access to every good game available, in theory, if you go on Game Pass. And if you say, well, I can't afford a console, that's why I gave that range, because I think between that range, you could get yourself a console as well, because they'll bundle that into the subscription. And that is half, at least half the price of one new video game a month, which... When I think when you well, put all that together, that doesn't seem yeah. so bad. So no. I think for gamers in general, this feels good. Game Pass is good. Like for gamers in general, like in the same way that for people who like television, Netflix is good because you get all this content for a what I think is comparatively very good price, even though they keep putting up the price. It's still, in my opinion, a good deal. Mm-hmm. Game Pass is that. And I feel like for me, Call of Duty being like $70 a year every year, it's kind of a bit of a ripoff. <laughs> like, you know? Uh, so if you could just pay, like, I don't know what it is, like $25 a month or whatever, and you get everything and any new game that comes out, like you get Halo, you get Forza, yeah. and you'll get every Bethesda game, and you'll get like every other Activision game. And like, I don't know, it just seems like a great deal to me. It's it's it would be an incredible deal, and arguably Game Pass already is a, an an amazing deal. Oh, it's a fantastic deal. You only have to play like three or four games a year, and you've made your money back. Yeah, yes, and like the way that it works, it's getting so, and it keeps getting better. That's the thing. Like I, every time I continue, I pick up a game that I started on a different console in a different environment and it just works like it's one of my like it's a mind-blowing moment like the first time you do it and and it keeps like it brings me so much joy to have that combination of game pass and cloud streaming at the same time it's it's so well done it's incredible and now activision games i mean well not now but in the next couple of years they're gonna be there it's exciting and also, as a longtime gamer, scary in the sense that, like, when I stop and think about it, I realize, oh, you know, the giant tech company can do this. What's going to happen to more traditional companies? You know, like PlayStation and Nintendo. Like, Nintendo's going to be fine. But, like, it would, it kind of makes me sad to see PlayStation become, you know, in a way, the little guy, you know? Like, yeah, we don't have a giant corporation with that kind of cash backing us. Sure, Sony is not a small company, but it's not Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And it concerns me to see, like, PlayStation is king of the market and or used to be, at least in the PlayStation 4 era. I mean, they still are. They still make the most they money. They still are. But I don't want to see the writings on the wall, but I... I'm very concerned. That's the thing. And it, what, what makes me sad or preoccupied is, you know, 
Of course they can do this because there's Microsoft behind it. The other companies, they don't have that kind of company behind them. So what's going to happen? So it's a, it's a mix of feelings. The gamer in me is like, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. This is incredible. It's going to be an incredible deal for me. I love it. As a longtime video game fan, I'm like, eh, you know, Silicon Valley has entered <laughs> the stage now, and uh, we're going to see what's going to happen to PlayStation. I would say now, though, right? Like, well, but but this is like it's not now, but this is like the the, the like the what what's the expression? The straw that broke the camel's back is that yeah. is that yeah? That's the yeah, look at the number and you're like, oh well, okay. <laughs> uh, so Microsoft purchase and acquisition. That's yeah, that's it now. You know? Yeah. All right, in a complete change of place, tell me about your analog pocket. <laughs> ah, yes. Let's talk about the indie company let's talk making about a little, game. little, little, little let's tiny guy. Let's talk about a Game Boy. Yeah. <laughs> what a change of pace. Well, I love I say it. Uh, tiny guy, I mean, I, I, can't even, I can't even imagine the amount of money the analog's made from this. Especially when you look at the, the pre-orders, right? Like, mm-hmm. they must have sold untold thousands of these units i've seen folks with like a pre-order date of two years from now still like in the queue for a pocket so and i think it's great by the way that that they've done the same as uh playdate you know yes i love to see these tiny companies taking not advantage of but being a part of the hype for games consoles right now yes and then they're just you know selling Thousands and thousands of units, which, of course, brings its own problems, hence why you can't get one until at least 2023 mm-hmm. or at the earliest. Uh, but I think that's a good problem to have. Yeah. And I love to see, in general, I love to see all the the, the things that are happening right now in the portable console space again. It started with the Nintendo Switch, and now we have the Analog Pocket, and the Playdate coming out, and... And the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck is coming out. When? Soon. Next month. February, their website It's it's almost upon us, and, and I've seen some tweets, and folks are excited about it. And there's lots of stuff happening again in the portable space. Uh, It's exciting. Like, I've always been biased for portable console. I'm a portable console person myself. Mm -hmm. Always Mm -hmm. have been, always will be. So I love it. Anyway, the pocket. Um, This has to be one of my favorite tech purchases in general in in a long time. I absolutely Mm. love this thing. Um, It's the kind of device that it makes me happy to use it in a way that like the first iPod made me happy to use it. Um, it's a, first of all, it's a marvel of engineering. It, it feels incredible. So the pocket, of course, it's, uh, it looks like a Game Boy. It looks like a modern classic Game Boy with the upright uh, sort of uh, display orientation and the square display. It's, it looks like a Game Boy. But it's done in a modern style, and it lets you play original Game Boy games, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games, plus Sega Game Gear and Neo Geo Pocket, I believe, uh, with an adapter. But I don't have the adapters for those consoles. I, I don't particularly care about those consoles anyway. I just wanted to get this one for my library of existing Game Boy, uh, Game Boy Classic, Color, and Advance games that I've had since uh, I was a kid. And, um, 
you can put in the physical cartridge in the back and and, and you can play uh, the, the pocket runs an OS called uh, analog OS which is still in its in its infancy it's still at version 1.0 they have a bigger 1.1 coming out soon that will, will add more features like a feature called memories for screenshots and creating your your own um, sort of a screenshot album on the device but that's not available still in addition to the pocket i also got a dock so that i can play with the pocket pl- uh, docked uh in, in dock mode and playing on my 4k tv uh with a bluetooth controller there's a list of supported bluetooth controllers that you can find online i got the latest 8-bit do sn 30 Pro, I believe is the name. It's the multi-platform Bluetooth controller that has a physical switch that lets you uh, move between Bluetooth mode to switch mode, so you can use it uh, as a Pro controller on Nintendo Switch, but you can also use it on um, PC or Mac. Unfortunately, you cannot use it on PlayStation or Xbox. It's, it's still shaped like the Super Nintendo one. Uh, it kind of it looks like a retro controller, but it's shaped like a traditional, um, like Dual Shock controller, basically. Oh, so wait, which one is it? The eight bit. Uh, which one did I get? The eight bit do SN thirty Pro, SN thirty Pro Plus. I think it's. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I see it now. The 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 one that I looked at initially was basically without the little wings. No, no, it's got it's got the wings. It looks like a yeah. pro controller for the Nintendo Switch, I basically, it but it's got that retro feel to it. Yeah, yeah, because they basically they sell a version of this controller that's just cut off the part that goes in your yes. hands, so it looks yes. like a, a Super Nintendo controller. Yeah. So uh, the pocket, um, I've already finished. I've already played, replayed, and finished an entire game on the pocket. It's uh-huh. uh, Zelda uh, Minish Cap. Yeah, for Game Boy Advance, uh, came out uh, came out 17, 18 almost years ago on Game Boy Advance, and it it wasn't a fantastic experience. Like first of all, I didn't I didn't remember that game as well as I thought I did. So it was nice to rediscover the world of Minish Cap, and 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 it can be surprisingly challenging, especially for some puzzles. But the thing about the game was playing the game with the physical cartridge on the pocket itself. And it was a I it was great because the pocket the the screen it's all about the screen. It's all about the display. It looks incredible. It's got uh, I don't even remember the the resolution. It's got a, like over it, it, the the PPI of the, of that display is like over 600 pixel per inch. Like incredibly dense display. It looks fantastic. And the thing about it is that it's an exact 10x, so it's 10 times the resolution of an original Game Boy, which means that when you play Game Boy games, like OG Game Boy games on the pocket, they are natively upscaled by 10 times the original resolution. They look like crisp doesn't even begin to describe how they look. Clever. You, you t- you take a 25 or 30 year old game like the original Tetris or one of the Zelda like Oracle games for the Game Boy Color and you put it into the pocket it, like those pixels are so pretty to look at in person it they look fantastic now the Game Boy Advance different resolution than the original Game Boy so you get the 
pillar boxing, which means like the black bars on top and below the game, but you still get, and that's the thing, this special rendering mode. Uh, it's called the, 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 the analog pocket mode, which um, it, it still oppresses the games and they look fantastic. Like this is by far the best uh, alternative rendering mode that I've ever tested in my life for a portable console. Like I've tried those Android-based um, emulators, like those portable consoles, like the Umbernic or RG, RG30 that I have. There's so many different portable consoles these days that run like Retro RetroArch on a, on a version of Android. Uh, and they all come with emulators uh, for PSP, uh, for Super Nintendo, for Game Boy and Game Boy Advance, and they each have very complex settings that you can choose from to test different rendering modes. And like, uh, do you want to have scan lines? Do you want to have uh, you know, the image be sharper? Do you want to fake your way around like emulating an old CRT display on screen? There are so many different settings to choose from. And colors too, right? Like and you can colors, give it a kind of like a green hue if you want to. Green hue, you can have filters. And some of them, they look pretty decent. But the thing is, none of them looks for G for Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games as beautiful as the native analog pocket rendering mode. Right. It's a combination of the colors just being so beautiful. It's a modern IPS display and it looks fantastic. The pixels, the way that they are oppressed, they look like the pixels are huge and they look fantastic, but they they do some, the, the the analog folks. They are doing some really clever things in terms of like um, smoothing out the image, but also keeping the pixelated edges in place where needed. It's a very particular look, and it looks fantastic. That said, you can still toggle, and that's what I love about the pocket. You, it's very everything has been simplified. This is not the kind of emulator where you need to go in and know what you're doing. Like, oh, do I want to have bilinear filtering. I don't even know what that means. Everything has been simplified. It's got that Apple feel to it, if you will. There are some settings, but only what's necessary. That's what I, I, how I would describe it. You can press the analog button. There's a specific physical button on the front of the console. You go into this menu and you can alternate between the analog pocket rendering mode or some like... Um, uh, for Game Boy Advance, you have Game Boy Advance Original or Game Boy Advance with a better screen. And these are filters that basically emulate um, what the screens of the original Game Boy Advance units looked like. I also think those rendering modes look better than other emulators I've tested. Um, lastly, what I will mention, uh, two more things. One, having reliable save states in this kind of console, it makes me appreciate older games more. Um, older games from, from 17 or 20 years ago, they were not as forgiving as modern games when it comes to checkpoints, when it comes to being able to, you know, when it comes to autosaves, or when it comes to being able to save your progress more often. So having save states and, in, and a sleep mode for games Game Boy uh, for uh, for Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games is very welcome in 2022. Uh, I I loved 
having the freedom to play Munich Cup however I want it. The second thing I want to mention is, thanks to the pocket, I've been on a uh, on a on a mission to rebuild my physical collection of Game Boy games, and I'm looking right now in my drawer, Mike, and I have so many GBA and Game Boy games that I want to get to. And I'm playing, and that's the thing. I'm playing those games. I don't know what it is about this console. It, maybe it's the thing that it, it combines the convenience of a modern emulator with the physical aspect of it. Because I, I could have played these older games at any point, right? I could have used an emulator five years ago. But the thing is, I think there's a reason why I never did. Because those emulators they don't really give you the sense of joy that the pocket gives you. There's something... Why, why though? Like, what is, is, I don't what know. is it? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's the fact that you're, you're, you know, putting in the cartridge like you used to do when you were a kid. And I guess the hardware is just more Game Boy-y. Yes, and the, the hard... First of all, I think it's absolutely the hardware. Like, the hardware is incredible. Uh, it's got USB-C. The screen is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the rendering modes are the best ones I've ever tested. And the dock is also very convenient. So there's certainly, like, the hardware is better. Like, th- that's one of the arguments in favor of the pocket. But there's another sort of a quality to it that it's hard to describe, which is it takes what you remember as a kid... And it lets you enjoy those games exactly like you remember them. Like, it lets you play old games with rose-tinted glasses without compromises. Because this happens so frequently, right? You remember an old game. You're like, oh, I loved that game when I was a kid on PlayStation. It looked incredible. And so you're like, I want to check out that game again. And you fire up an emulator and you're like, oh, no. (laughs) <laughs> this game is terrible now. It looks horrible. I don't want to play this game. The Pocket takes those games with the actual physical cartridges and it's like, here you go. Play this game now. And it looks, f- and you're like, this looks fantastic. Like, this looks better than some mobile games from the App Store today. And so, whatever they've done to balance that physical aspect of it's reading the game from the original cartridge, but it's rendering the game with on a modern system. It's so unique that if you're the kind of person who wants to play or has considered playing old Game Boy games, um, by Game Boy I mean Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance, and if you still happen to have a collection of those games lying around, I cannot recommend this console enough. It's one of the best things that has happened to my portable gaming in a you know it's the best thing that has happened to me since the Nintendo Switch for five years ago almost I love it it like all the praise that you've read and and mm. seen about it it's totally justified well obviously I can't get one so I thought oh, I'll just have a peek on eBay well that's nope. the thing <laughs> nope. that's the thing <laughs> see I I, uh, I will admit that that is how I got a pocket yeah, myself it's so expensive it's like 800 pounds yeah 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 I don't want one that much that's the thing I, I felt like I really wanted one and I'm really glad I did because like um, 
can you put a price on happiness? No, but in this very specific instance, you can, and or I could. And uh, yeah, it's been totally worth it. And I have, like, I'm having such a great time playing these games, talking about them here on mm. on, on on Unwind with John. Mm. Uh, it's, it's fun. I love it. It's so much fun. I could justify that money if I thought I was going to play it enough. I'm not sure I would play it enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like... I would have to really play it every day, I feel like, to to justify that kind of money on it. And I just wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. Like, I, I tried to get it when they opened their pre-order again. Because that, I don't know, it's like $200 or however much it is. And I thought, yeah, I think I'll play it enough for that. And I wasn't going to get it within any kind of time frame that I would have wanted. Like, it would have been a maybe by the end of this year time frames like i don't want it that much you know so i kind of was like i'm not i'm not going to put my money down and wait for over a year for this because i'm not that into it but i would take a punt on it if it was available you know um yeah. but yeah, it isn't yeah which is fine um so we rarely i don't think we ever do real-time follow-up on this show but in this very specific instance i want to do it because it's it's perfect timing for the topic we discussed at the beginning of the show with uh, Activision Blizzard and Microsoft. Blizzard just announced they are making a new IP. They're working on a new game. uh, And I'm quoting, we are going on a journey to a whole new universe, a brand new survival game for PC and console. A place full of heroes we have yet to meet, stories yet to be told, and adventures yet to be lived. A vast realm of possibility waiting to be explored. This is a survival game. Um, there are job listings. Uh, it's called Unannounced Survival Game by Blizzard. So Blizzard is working on a new IP. Hmm. Interesting. This is probably going to be 10 years from now. Yeah, and also <laughs> it's like because of when they've announced it. It's going to be on everything, probably. Probably. Maybe. It just says PC and console. PC and console. Well, console and could co- just be console. one console. Be, well, technically, it's PC and, and console. And console, singular. just singular. <laughs> singular. <laughs> what did you think we meant? Well, obviously, we meant Xbox. Anyway. The console. You know? Yeah. The only one. The console. Um Something else I wanted to mention. Uh, well, two things I want to mention briefly, if you'll allow me, mm-hmm. Mike. Uh, I have finally caved and I have modded my PS Vita. Okay. By th- thank God, Shahid isn't here today. You're getting upset of what You're I've breaking done. Breaking the EULA. <laughs> yes, I did very much. So I've installed a custom firmware on my PS Vita. Okay. Which brought me back to many years ago when I used to mod uh, the the PSP, but that's exactly why I did it. I wanted to finally play a, a one specific PSP game that I've been meaning to get to for a long time. It's called Jean Dark. It's a it's a strategy game. It's like a Final Fantasy Tactics like video game that came out in two thousand and seven on PSP. I have a PSP. I have the original Jean d'Arc on UMD, and I tried to play the game on the original hardware, but the thing is, the UMD spinning noises, I forgot how noisy they are, especially if you play video games at night, and it was constantly waking up Sylvia and my dogs. So I realized, I want to play this game, I got to use a PS Vita. The PS Vita is, I think it's got the most vibrant homebrew and emulation community right now, it's incredible what you can do on a modded PS Vita. I recommend going to the uh, 
Um, I have the link saved here. This incredible YouTube channel and website called Retro Game Corps. Uh, they do such a fantastic job with guides and everything. So I am going to send you, Mike, the link to the oh, guide for anybody. Okay, you got it. Mm-hmm. For anybody who's interested, um, you can do some incredible stuff like emulators. Um, you can have SNES 9X, which is a Super Nintendo emulator. You can have Adrenaline. Adrenaline is a fantastic emulator that lets you play any PSP or PlayStation 1 game on your PS Vita. You can tweak system settings. You can install plugins. You can modify all kinds of aspects for your PS Vita. And it works on the original PS Vita, the 1000 model, as well as the slim model, the PS Vita 2000, the one without an OLED display. Uh, it's incredible. It's well-documented. I love it. And uh, I've been pl- I'm about... Um, six or seven hours into Jean d'Arc and I'm having a fantastic time. This is a level five game, which means that the cutscenes they look uh, incredible because level five, I believe they collaborated with Studio Ghibli at the time, I want to say, hmm. for this game. They, it looks fantastic. Um, so I've modded my PS Vita and uh, it's something that I mentioned on the show before. I finally did it over my holiday break and I'm very happy about it. Lastly, in preparation for Horizon Forbidden West, which is coming out in a couple of weeks on PlayStation 5 and 4. It's going to be both, right? Is it on PlayStation 4 too? Is it? I'm asking you. I, I didn't know that. Forbidden West PS4. Uh, Yeah, it is. It is on PS4 as well. That feels like a shame to me. I know. Honestly. I know. I know. Anyway... In preparation for Forbidden West... Uh, the reason I said it, by the way, in case people think that that sounds weird, is I want to see more games that are not held back by needing to support the prior generation as well. I don't think we've had enough games that are able to fully take advantage mm-hmm. of the PlayStation 5 hardware because they also need to support PlayStation 4 hardware. I understand why it's complicated because a lot of people that want PlayStation 5 still can't get them. But just no. as like a, you know, I I really still feel like we've not gotten enough next gen games a couple of years nearly even into the next gen. I agree. I agree. So in, in preparation for that game, which which looks fantastic, I've tried to stay away from from trailers and spoilers, and but that's the thing. I never played the original, and I think you can go back and listen to to that period of time in in spring to 2017 on this show the original horizon came out at a very unfortunate time for an open world game because it was followed up a couple of weeks later i believe by a little thing two weeks later a little thing called zelda breath of the wild and the Nintendo Switch. And the Nintendo Switch. (laughs) So unfortunately what was one of the best open world games ever made was followed up by the best open world game ever made. <laughs> yes. It wasn't yes. great for it. And, uh, you know, as history shows, we, we both, Mike and I, we, we started playing Breath of the Wild and it captured our attention and we, we didn't have time for any other open world games at, at, at that time. And the thing is, as, as is often the case in, in the video game industry, wh- many times, once the moment for a big game has passed, other games are coming out. 
yep. and you want to play the new thing yep. and you don't pay attention to the old thing anymore, especially when it's such a big commitment to play an open world game in the style of Horizon. So five years have passed and I have never played Horizon. Like I started Horizon five years ago and I played for like two hours or three hours and then Same. I stopped. Same. So over my holiday break, as I was taking a look at like, okay, what's in my backlog? What's coming up? What do I want to play? Because I'm trying to make more times for video games because I want to cover video games more in my life. And I realized, you know what? It's time for me to dust off this PS4 copy of Horizon and play it on PS5. Uh, in the you know in the meantime, uh, Horizon was updated with a patch on PS5 that lets you play the game at 4K resolution at 60 frames per second. I'm having a great time. I'm loving it. I am about 40% through the game, through the main story. I am going relatively fast. Like, I'm doing some side quests. I am doing some exploring in the game. But I'm also going quite fast because I want to try and finish this game before... Like, there are some big games coming out. Like, more specifically, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus is... Arceus. How do you say it, Mike? Okay, so I always thought it was Arceus. Arceus. But all of the trailers are saying Arceus, at least the English ones. So we're going with Arceus now. We're going with Arceus. And if anyone says we're wrong, then tell Nintendo. I don't know what you want from me. Yes, we're not the problem. Mm -hmm. That's coming out this Friday. And I know I'm going to be spending time in that game. So I'm trying to cram in as much Horizon time as possible. It looks incredible, right? It's it's a one of the it still looks fantastic on PS5. Like and that's the thing about this generation of consoles like you play this game uh, this PS4 game on a PS5 and you're like this could be a PS5 game. Like well, I guess I guess it got a PS4 Pro update. It got and a PS4 so you Pro are update playing that. So it is better than it was when we first tried it. It got the PS4 Pro update and I got the PS5 patch for the frame rate. Mm. So yeah, it's but it's still like a previous gen game. That said, I love how the combat feels. I love the story. I'm very captivated by the story, actually, mm-hmm. in a way that at the time I was not able to appreciate, I think. Um, the combat, it feels great. I am surprisingly into the stealth mechanics. That said, I should say, I also appreciate the fact that the game lets you choose the difficulty level that you want to play. You can start with the story mode that basically removes any kind of challenge from the fights and just lets you enjoy the story. I started out with that. I since bumped it up to easy, which has some challenge in the fights, but it's still a notch below normal difficulty. Uh, So I appreciate the flexibility and the fact that you can change that at any time you want. Uh, That's cool. That's nice. Uh, but what I, again, what I did not appreciate enough five years ago is how much Horizon taps into that part of my brain that appreciates a very particular type of video game or media in general, like even movies or books about this stuff. Really, uh, I find them really fascinating, which is the idea of nature taking over society which is like this trope of some video games or some movies like the post-apocalyptic yeah you get ready for the new Kirby game baby you're gonna have a great time (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> this is like the same type of stuff that you see in The Last of Us. Like, yeah. oh, these old cities and they're all in ruins and like nature has taken over. Mm-hmm. And in Horizon, you get that, but even more. Because, like, nature has taken over the cities even more than in The Last of Us. And for some reason, my brain really appreciates that kind of setting. And that is not something that I was able to appreciate five years ago because I never got to that point in the game. Like, I never saw the destroyed cities five years ago. Yeah, I'm intrigued about the new one because they're actually going to cities that you know. I don't know if that was the case in the first one. Oh, no. I, I didn't know that there were like actual cities. Oh, that's cool. I love yeah. it. Do you want to so, know one of them? I mean, it's in all yes. the trailers and stuff. No, I haven't watched them, but do tell. Do okay, tell, one please. of them is San Francisco. Oh, my God. Okay. So and they've only shown, I think, San Francisco. There's like three cities in the game, and they've I believe at this point all of so the it's trailers. So in are. the United States. Oh, my yep. God. Maybe this is a spoiler for the for Zero Dawn. I don't know. Well, Probably I, is. But. I mean, it's fine. It's fine, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah these are all this to say. If for some reason you're like me, and five years ago you started this game, then you set it aside because Breath of the Wild came out, and you never had time to revisit it. It still plays and looks very well, especially on PS5. I know there's a DLC. Uh, what's it called? The Frozen Wilds that I'm also supposed to check out after the main game. And of course, there's the new one, Forbidden West, coming out in a couple of weeks. February 18th. I mean, like, my, I've, I was intrigued about this, and I played some of Zero Dawn, and I didn't like too much the stealth stuff. Maybe I could adjust the difficulty levels that so really the stealth helps. is less necessary for me. But my likelihood here is... So I'm really excited for Arceus mm-hmm. um, as well. Like, there's been some people who broke, were able to break street date and yeah. it seems like that the current thinking is actually this game is surprisingly good which i'm trying to keep my expectations down still because I, I really don't know what to expect from this game because ultimately the idea of it is like it's all i've ever wanted like since so uh, you know so i don't really want to think about it so i'm just kind of just gonna wait my hope is that like maybe by the time I'm done with that, like I would have space again to, for another game, and and I would like I would at least pick up Forbidden West because I'm intrigued about about it, especially because I'm aware like they they kind of Breath of the Wilded it a little bit, really. Yeah, so apparently there's much more traversal, and there is like they've they've got new mechanics in the games to kind of like glide off cliffs and stuff like that. So like they've they've added in more of these types of like getting around the environment tweaks that was just so good in Zelda, which again at the time was like there were so many comparisons made between these you games, can right? Tell the difference. Yeah. Yes, and one still... of the big comparisons f- from Zelda to 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 Horizon is like Horizon is just the way that these games were you can climb in very specific areas and the real the real innovation that that Breath of the Wild had was climb anything. You can climb everything. Anything you want, you can climb. And now whenever I play an open world game, it is my expectation and I tend to be let down. Um, Because I, you know, genuinely, like, I still think my understanding is even in um, Forbidden West, you can't climb everything. You can just climb more things. 
I think I think is the way it is. Like it's not mm. like okay. to see a cliff face, you can climb up it, but like only at a certain part. I believe that's kind of how they're doing it still. I'd be, but I don't know. I haven't played the game, uh, so I'm intrigued. But I, it feels like that they've in a post Breath of the Wild world considered things a little bit uh, more now because I think the expectation is is higher for what is uh, desired. Isn't it wild to think that like there is a new horizon before the, <laughs> the new Zelda? <laughs> it kind of feels like this is a harder game to oh, make. When you, when you put it like that, you, uh, you know what else I can tell you in terms of like time and you know and, and is weird these days when it comes to these video games. It's been three years today as we're recording this. Three years since development of Metroid Prime 4 was restarted from scratch. Today. Today. Three uh. years. <laughs> and no trailers. Was this the Nothing. one? Didn't they do a thing recently where they were like, this is taking longer than uh, we that expected? Was three years, that was three years ago. Didn't they do another <laughs> update, though? About no. it? Like, no. even when they brought out Dread? Ah, they, they said anything? they were still work, but no, something very generic. They right, said, right. but three years ago they restarted development with Retro Studios. Yeah, but three I years ago that. the game had already been in development for two years prior. <laughs> <laughs> so, we will get Metroid Six before I, yes five. In theory, we are getting Breath of the Wild 2, whatever it's going to be called, this year. Nintendo keeps saying it's a 2022 game. They have never changed from their original. Never. And uh, but, but still nothing. We got, we got that one trailer showing mm-hmm. Link falling off the sky and exploring the skies. It was uh, a cinematic, really. A cinematic it? Like it thing. It was like yeah. a gameplay reveal or anything. Yeah. But yeah, we're getting the new Horizon. And, and, I, and I'll leave you with this. I'll leave you with this, Mike. Because uh, uh, this has been a, t- a recurring topic. We're coming for Soul Call in a bunch of ways on this episode of Remaster. But for the first time in my life, next month, and I put in a pre-order and everything, it's, it's done. I will be playing a Dark Souls game. Oh, Specifically, Elden I pre-ordered Ring? and my video game shop guy slash friend mm. Elden Ring on PS5. Why? I'm doing it. I'm Why, go- I don't, Why I, though? I, I Why d- this one? <laughs> I don't know. Because it's open world-ish and it should be... It, they said it's going to take you less than 40 hours to do the main story. Yeah, but that is... Is that based on how many times you're just going to die? Like, well, we'll see about that, right? <laughs> it's like 40 hours if you don't die, but you'll <laughs> die a thousand you. times. <laughs> So <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. I want to try because I know I know this is gonna be a good game, and I know that this is gonna be a game of the year contender. So it's time that I muster up enough courage to go in and try this sort of game. I'm gonna use you as my yardstick on this one because it's gonna go horribly. <laughs> I feel like for me it would just be a waste of my money to to do, to try this. Like just because I'm just not that type of gamer, and I'm gonna, I will be intrigued to see if you will be. I can be, but I am also very easily scared by things like zombies and skeletons and undead characters, of which there are plenty. I don't know what you think games. this video game is, man. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not sure 
what you think the environment is <laughs> of Elden Ring. Not... Oh, I, I, I thought it was going to be a chill. No, but I know what awaits me. But I think it's important for my video game culture that I do it. So I'm going to do it. 